love it so much you really gotta stream it let me tell you every line right now i can quote the whole thing since i was 12. maybe your mom told you no she said she And welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your co-host, Brandon Greenhouse, and this is my co-host, Jane Tanya Hammer, uh, coming through live and in color. Jane, how are you doing today? Um, I'm good. I'm actually going to go a request that you call me Tanya today, since that is a name that you gave me, and it makes me feel connected to... A very misunderstood gal, Tanya Harding. Sure. Let's see. Let's push that narrative. <laughs> I actually, like, don't know if that's who I want to be associated with. <laughs> no, it, it's not who you want to, but something in your spirit let you know that you guys were probably spirits uh, cut from the same cloth. And I get I it. mean, look, she went through a lot. She did. And, um, you know, her life Yeah, happened. you know who else went through a lot? Nancy mm-hmm. fucking Kerrigan. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with with you on that one. She had it rough as well, but you know, who are we if we're not you know Americans pitting two women against each other? You know what I mean? However you want to spin it, girl. I do know <laughs> that that um, Ryan Murphy American you know crime story is coming out. Oh, are they? American do, they're doing women, a. It's the You're doing Tanya and Nancy? No, it's the impeachment, but I'm just saying, like, oh. speaking of, you know, women being pitted against each other, that's not quite what happened um, in that situation, but <laughs> it wasn't no. really the media that was sort of the machinations <laughs> of, like, one woman, but well, uh, and, go off. And Linda Tripp being a total fucking biatch, I think. I don't R. know, R. I'm not, like, fu- is she dead? Yeah, she passed oh, away. I missed that. Um, Leave it in. I... I, <laughs> this is the only way Jane's gonna learn. Leave it in, Tara. Well, I am really excited to watch the American Crime Story with. No, it looks like it'll be. It, I can't say it looks like it'll be good. It looks like it'll be really. Of really course fluffy. it will. Beanie Feldstein is really no, good. I mean, I'm not talking about the actors. They have good actors, okay. but I'm talking about that script. And we all know that sometimes Ryan tends to go off the rails, and everything gets so like heightened and the drama gets so out of control that you're just like this is like a telenovela like it's gone too far and it went too far too quickly and he can't always rein it back in like he's like one of those he's like he he suffers from the same thing that a lot of showtime shows suffer from which Mm -hmm. is like the first couple seasons you're like i'm here okay they've got grounded characters we're dancing around something that seems like it may happen in a version of reality and then all of a sudden there's like a twist and you're like you guys are responsible like, well, I think, like, I, I remember, I mean, The L Word, famously a Showtime show, and, like, <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to pinpoint a time when The L Word was, like, great, <laughs> because it was great for me, like, very significant show, I loved that show very, very much, but, like, it became absolutely cuckoo bananas by, like, uh, by, like, season three, I want to say, maybe even season two, it was um it was like people acted in a way that no human has ever acted before you know what i mean just in terms of action absolutely yeah um <clears throat> i mean queer as folk was also showtime wasn't it uh queer as folk was also showtime which also was an absolute 
nutcase of a show. But I did love. I did love. Um, But not, again, you know, a lot of the things... I love it because it was just a a drama about gay people, not because it was, like, fantastic writing, you know? Yeah, as Dave has chimed in with, we know, Queer's Folk is coming back. Um, L Generation Q is back and on the attack and trust me i'm watching it i'm watching it all of course you are i'm sure they've thrown some more poc in that's pretend what these comebacks really mean is that they realize that these casts were white as hell and they're like let's try and let's try and write this wrong let's try and get some more brown people (laughs) in the center of the narrative instead of just as like ancillary characters who are around for when like one of the stars wants to have like a drug-fueled like exotic romp so true it's so true and i mean the way that they oh my god did you ever watch the l word the the original l word they brought in a trans character i don't know what season it was but whoo they did him dirty (laughs) from like day one it was a mess and it was really it was like watching like the writers did him dirty or like yes like the the First of all, it wasn't played by a trans person, which is problematic to begin with. Second of all, it wasn't, um, I don't, I, well, I don't know if any trans people were in the writer's room, like, creating this character, but it seemed like it, there couldn't possibly been, like, a cert, a single trans person around to make that work. Because, um, I mean, really, the, the, the character is an absolute, like, it will, he's a caricature of what a person who has never met a trans person thinks a trans person might be. That checks out. Yeah. And which is like, is which, you know, obviously to say like everybody, every identity is varied in personality and what they would do and all that kind of stuff. Of course. But like the storyline was not handled, um, carefully or with integrity in any way but um i i I went back and i watched it again recently and it was real man things some things don't age well and this was one of those things oh i'm intrigued you should watch the l word have you never watched it i never got around to it no I, well, I mean, I barely watched, like, the first season of Queer's Folk, and yeah. I, I couldn't really stay on board for that one either. It was just so white. I was just <laughs> the, like, I can't. Both like, shows violently white. Yeah. Yeah, that show, even as, like, a young person, I remember just being like, like no one else, there's no one else around. <laughs> just all white people hanging out with white people. Dope. In, in, in these, like, metropolitan cities, it's just all fucking white people. Yeah, and, like, Ugh, it was just it was just a very specific idea of what it meant to be like a gay man and yeah. it was just like oh my god like the only variation you got was like brown hair or like blonde yeah no. or like twink or built you know yeah exactly it didn't get much crazier than that or maybe the occasional like person like latinx person maybe but, like, that's always, like, as far as shows are willing to go, as far as, like, diversity goes, especially mm-hmm. in, like, the 90s and, like, the early aughts. It's, like, oh my God. that's as edgy as it gets. But Absolutely. it's, like, if you're not passing the paper bag test, you are not admitted <laughs> to the set. And, like, that's You can only be... be, like, a background character. Yeah, an or extra like... bopping around. Yeah, an extra or, like, someone who is, like, a criminal or something. Yeah, I was going to say, or, like, a hood who, like, you know, like, <laughs> th- pulls a knife on one of, like, the stars outside of, like you know, 
one of the episodes. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll find my way over there. They're just rebooting everything. Like they, I know, they but really they like are. they went to like two thousand and then they didn't go any further back. But I they're know. just like, let's get some vintage stuff. Well, it just doesn't seem like anybody, like, well, people, I think people are scared to spend money on new things to see if they do well. They're like, well, this is, like, a proven show that does well, so let's just spend a little money rebooting it, and we know we'll make money back because the nostalgia factor will keep people coming back and watching it. Also, like, you know that the, like, the pitch rooms are essentially people just being like, right now, with everything going on in the world, there's people who want to just sort of celebrate, like, the last time that they felt really comfortable (laughs) and i mean call me crazy but for me i know that was during my burgeoning adolescence when i was (laughs) learning about my body inside and out and i think that you know those are the shows that we need to be hearkening back to you know everybody's ready for a home improvement 2.0 oh my god (laughs) that he was the last man standing he's proven that he was buzz lightyear he's proven you know that he'll vote for trump in spite of everything um <laughs> he's more than just a man who was arrested for a possession of cocaine he's a home improvement guy he's america's gonna, america's racist dad he is we're gonna dust off uh, patricia richardson get her back to set and <laughs> nobody really knows who played mr wilson anyway because they only saw part of his face so we're gonna see if we can get seti the entertainer on the phone uh we think we've got something really special here though Oh, man. Well, I'm glad they're not doing that because I can't have any more of Tim the Toolman Taylor in my life. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all booked up here. If I see him again, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we talk about the movie that we watched yeah, this week? Yeah, we should. We talk about the movie that we watched this week. It was, uh, it was a movie that was selected by Jane. Um, mm-hmm. It was the Doug Lyman 1999 um symphony of stars um mm. known as go uh, <laughs> or people who speak normally just called go <laughs> well well sometimes i see the go with an exclamation point on the end of it and sometimes i don't so it's like yeah but i feel like know. you were giving it like french accent vibes like go. i was giving it a little something elevated a little bit more yeah okay yeah but you brought it right, right back down <laughs> for you so anyways so um brandon it was a movie through. that brandon <laughs> what did you say I said, this is going to be a doozy to get through. I meant, like, <laughs> just your attitude. Um, <laughs> but I'm here for it. Uh, so, yeah, this was a movie I'd never seen it before. Um, okay, once again, our producer chimed in with, yeah, you two are spicy tonight. I mean, so the thanks reads, for that. Just put stoking flames on the fire. Which the reads are him. coming through loud and clear, David. Oh, My God. God, we get it. We are spicy. And what are we not spicy? Yeah, Jay, okay, Dave's oh. been chiming in a lot. Speaking of the word unhinged, I'm just realizing that this chat thread, he's been saying a lot of stuff. Some of it coherent, some of it Look, is what it is. He um, says be nice to each other, and I think he's right. Let's let's call it Oh, I love you, always. That's Me always, too. like, the through line of anything. And I don't care how messy you are, because you're still my friend. <laughs> and I'll tell anybody. Like, yeah, hey, she may be a disaster, but she's my disaster. (laughs) Watch it. Speaking of um, disasters, what did you think of the movie? You know, when I first started it, I was a little like, ugh. And then Dave was like, yeah, I I remember this being like, having that sort of vibe of like, 
those it's funny actually it's actually interesting because i was listening to an episode um i listen to podcasts guys um, <laughs> don't just make to, them also listen to them also listen to them also read books um i was listening to an episode of armchair expert uh, with dak shepherd and his guest was quentin tarantino and quentin tarantino mm-hmm. there was like a, a brief moment in there where they were dax was asking him about all the movies that sort of came out after his move after pulp fiction and basically mm-hmm. like you know what do you think of those films and did you feel some kind of way because you know it was sort of like i mean tarantino in many ways created his own sort of subgenre of movies with the release of pulp fiction like action movies had not been done like that that sort of meshing of like dark comedy and like you know sinister plot points and like really quick dialogue and then the mm-hmm. sort of like uh deconstructing of like what like a movie looked like as far as layout um sort of like in a way sort of i guess sending up like um some of that linear uh storytelling and those types Mm -hmm. of films and it was clearly like a really big inspiration for a lot of films and this movie was absolutely one of them uh, mm-hmm. which Dave pointed out, but I was like, absolutely, because I was watching it and I was like, there's like something about this movie and he was like, it's you can you can feel the influence of Tarantino. And it was like, mm-hmm. you could. But it actually like, it's funny because I think there was a critic that described it as uh, Pulp Fiction Jr. Um, yeah, that was shady, which I don't, I disagree with. I saw I actually, too, one I... thing I think about this movie is it's never as dangerous as it like, as it posits itself being, if that makes sense. Like, I, I feel like it, I feel like it somehow, it somehow never goes to the place that it almost sets you up or makes you believe that it's going to go to. So there can, so at times it can feel a little bit like it doesn't fully pay off um, to me, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I did like the movie more than I thought I was going to like it. And the second time through, I was able to watch it without thinking about the sort of Tarantino thing because that had already happened. So I was able mm-hmm. to sort of take it in as its own thing. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I I, get what they were talking about when they say you can sort of see the influence in it. It's its own thing. But I did enjoy it, though. I mean, I, I, I did. I, I thought it was like a, it was an entertaining movie. And it was, it was definitely one of those movies where it was like, throughout the film it, i kept thinking to myself why would you do that like at times at times I mean, to like um at, at times hum like uh in a humorous way like oh my right. god but then at other times just in an annoyed way and mm-hmm. several things were so implausible that it was like <laughs> i can't yeah. give you i can't give you that this is like a hyper reality so this makes sense like this mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense um yeah. it feels like there was a plot point you went to push and maybe like we should have used a bit more care um but I did enjoy it, actually. I did. I thought the yeah. leading lady, um, who I, Sarah, Sarah Polly, she was, mm-hmm. she was really, uh, she did a really good job of anchoring the story. Um, yeah. Which I, well, I, 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 yeah, I enjoyed her performance a lot. Yeah, she's fantastic. I thought there were a lot of good performances. In, I agree. In the movie, lots too. of good actors. Lots of good actors. Um, and Katie Holmes she... was there too. <laughs> Which is basically a, a perfect summation of my thoughts too. But let's um, should I just get go ahead and get this uh, synopsis out of the way Please. so that we can? I start can't wait. I love your words. Getting down. <laughs> no, share them with me. I want to bathe in them. Just. Okay. Read to me, Jane. Read. I'm ill. I'm physically ill, but I guess I can get through it. Have you ever had a really bad night? One where you can't imagine anyone is experiencing anything as monumentally upsetting, action-packed, and full of setbacks as you are? 
Join us on Christmas Eve 1999 where Rana, Simon, Zach, and Adam all must have had that thought after crossing paths at a rundown Los Angeles grocery store. First, we meet Rana, 17-year-old cashier who's going to get evicted unless she stumbles upon the extra $380 she needs to pay rent. She gets approached by some charming gentlemen who end up in her line. They ask her where they can get some E for a rave they're attending later. Although normally not a drug dealer, she sees an opportunity to get some quick cash and pay her rent. Next, we have Simon, a Brit abroad, curiously working at an American grocery store in LA. The same one as Rana. He has an opportunity to go to Las Vegas for the first time with a couple of friends. He convinces Rana to take his shift at the store so he can hit the road and have the adventure of a lifetime. Then finally, we have Adam and Zach, a closeted gay couple who star together in a TV series. They've been busted for drug possession and in order to get the heat off of them, they've agreed to give up their connection who just happens to be a certain idiot Brit named Simon working at a grocery store where he also moonlights as a small time drug dealer. When they get there wired up and with an undercover cop listening in, Simon is nowhere to be found, but that's okay. The young lady at the checkout named Rana seems like the next best target for their undercover drug bust. If you thought this was going to be an easy night for any of them, guess again. Just when they think they conquered the immovable obstacle in their way, the script gets flipped and they're in deeper than they were before. Will our gang survive the night? How much destruction will they leave in their wake in the interest of saving their own asses? How many people will get shot? How many cars will get totaled? How many pills will be popped? If I were you, I'd go and find out. Ooh. And that's it. Ominous. Yeah. That's the movie. Um, so let me see. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right into to my Let's do it. Let's get down and dirty. Well, my first well what first thing I will say is that um there was um there was a moment where uh there's a moment somewhere in the well, I guess it's towards the end of the movie, actually, where Katie Holmes, like, is restocking a shelf at the grocery store, and then the uh, Scott Wolf and Jay Moore characters walk by her, the, the gay couple, you know? Yes. And she goes, oh, gay guys. She goes, gay guys are so hot. Uh, tragic. And I was like, yeah, says the woman married to Tom Cruise. <laughs> and then Dave was like, you have to say that tomorrow. So I said it. So you um, said it. I said um, I said what I said. That's hilarious. Although, I mean, clear, I think they're divorced now, but yes. That, no, that's... you don't think. They, they are. They absolutely, absolutely are. <laughs> they 100% aren't. I don't know why. Yeah, I said, like she I was think. with Jamie Foxx for like a whole ass decade after yeah, ending it with I Tom know. Cruise. Are they broken up now? That I heard they were, you know? but I think it's like off and on with them, but they were cute. I don't know why. I mean, whatever. I, did you think cute? I thought like... I don't oh, know, man. Too. I just, like, honestly, I'm sure what Katie Holmes went through with Tom Cruise was so unimaginable that she, that like, I just wanted her to be with like a person who's normal. Jamie Foxx seems kind of normal, I guess. He seems closer to, yeah, closer to normal. Yeah, than, I mean, um, he's still a very huge celebrity, but it doesn't seem like he's, you know... Insane. I mean, yeah, there's more than celebrity at the, at the root of what's going on with old Tommy. Yeah, exactly. Looking at you. <laughs> looking at you, David Mick. Um, 
Yeah, no, it was funny to see Katie Holmes in this role, and I'm 99.99% sure that's why I saw this movie in the first place, because, like, I think I was, like, 14 when this came Mm -hmm. out, and I was, like, you know, obviously a creek head who wasn't, Um, and so I know that this was, like, Katie trying to, like, get more grittier roles or whatever, and so she certainly, I feel like she probably, like, drew a younger audience to this movie, for sure. They cast her a lot during this period, and I was always underwhelmed, even as a child. And I was like, ugh, like, ugh. It, it does there's seem miscast. Right. There's just something about, I just don't find Katie Holmes to be an interesting actress, and she's not dynamic to me. She doesn't yeah. pull me in. I, I, I don't care about the story she's telling. This was the best kind of use of her that you could have in a film, mm-hmm. because it wasn't a lot, and it was, there was so much other stuff going on, you know, and just sort of casting her as the wet blanket friend made a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> you know, and wow. so it's just like, ugh, I don't know. It's like, it's just I like, didn't know. Her with that like messy hair, just like the whole film, just looking dirty. It was just like. <laughs> well, also dirty. the thing that was so funny was that like it was so rainy and foggy. And I was like, it doesn't do that in Los Angeles as much as you're making us think that it does that. It's so funny. It was a really like, it was a, yeah, it was a lot of like just that sort of that gloomy air over. Yeah, it much. felt like, I was like, this feels more like a Seattle moment than like a Los Angeles moment. But we I agree know we're that. in Los Angeles. They mention it several times. But I did um, you um did you see I, I read that in the grocery store that they used for the film, they like the I guess the the location scouts came out, they saw it, the director, everybody approved the store because it was like it had that feel of like a rundown but big city grocery store. Mm-hmm. And then apparently, you know, they they paid the you know supermarket so that they could use the store and then they used the money to like glam up the store and like <laughs> paint it and stuff and it's just like what are y'all doing and, and so doug Lyman was like, like we chose this store because it was gritty why are you putting why are you money taking that away yeah, yeah wait until we're done filming and then how about we do the glow up right. um, but then they had to bring people in to like <laughs> make it look like kind of i guess like rough and tumble again and it's just like Come on. <laughs> so, like, they chose you for a reason. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And yeah, unless somebody gave you the stipulation that we want this store, but we want it judged up, and you're like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a Publix down the street that's, like, popping. And it's so like, messy. It smells like a foot. No, no, no. Um, we don't want that. Also, this grocery store reminds... Okay, so every single person in this movie um, was buying orange juice in some form or another. So much OJ. So much OJ, which I do remember. Okay, so, like, during, like, when, like, there were all these news reports on, like, E and, like, you know, ecstasy and, like, how to, like, spot if someone's, like, fucked up on E. And, like, this was... I was a little too young to be, like... You know, this sort of, like, missed me. Although some of my friends did, as we got older, like, do E later. And also, the kids don't call it E anymore. They call it Molly or MDMA. Nothing? Okay. Uh, What do you want me to say? (laughs) Oh, cool. (laughs) You were putting on a face, so I was like... (laughs) I thought no, I was just, I was just, no, I was listening. I was waiting to hear what what the kids are calling it, and then when you said it, I thought I think they're probably calling it something different now. <laughs> well, okay, that's what I'm aware of what they're calling it. I will admit I'm not particularly attuned to what the kids are calling anything, but um, there's believe- schools all around. Jane. <laughs> 
one little, yeah, one and quick I think little it's like, jaunt over to a school <laughs> as like a middle-aged woman to be like, hey, Excuse hey, you guys. Excuse me, um, I am not middle-aged. Okay, as a super young woman, one little <laughs> jaunt over to a school to be like, hey, hey, I'm super young adult. But I was wondering, <laughs> uh, what do you kids, what are you kids calling ecstasy these days? <laughs> what are you calling your drugs? What are you calling well, your drugs? I know you're all doing it. I remember when there was like the switch and people started talking about Molly and I was like, that's what I used to call E. You? No, well, not me, but like, <laughs> I think we all know, like, I haven't done a lot of drugs, so I'm not very cool and down with the lingo, but like, I think, um, I, people I knew who did some drugs called it E. Or ecstasy, or X. Some people called it X. Um, but I think Molly and MDMA is like more pu- um, purer version. MDMA is like the specific, like the real pure version of ecstasy. But whatever. What I'm saying is, on those news reports, they always used to be like, how to spot if uh, your kid is on E? And it's like, they're very, very thirsty. And it's very cool for those kids to drink orange juice and i just remember that being like a thing that i heard oh does it like um does it sort of heighten the experience when you're on those drugs because like the um, vitamin i have vitamin. no idea but oh, i know okay. that like you get very thirsty and this is also knowledge that is like i'm not kidding you um like 20 to 25 years old <laughs> yeah so it, it, is, it is what it is then um but yeah they their drugs seem to be at sort of at the center of the movie like but also not really but kind of like not in any like deep or meaningful way and we don't really delve into them they're just sort of like a a surface level impetus for some of the events that happen but it always feels like they're not fully committed to like to the role of the drugs in the film like it always it always feels like the drugs are just like I don't know. Like, it just, it doesn't feel like they're at the center of the story. Like, this isn't a drug story at all. No. It's just like, it's a thing that they happen to do that sometimes leads them down these paths. Like, mm-hmm. in the story with um, I, I, Adam and Zach, I believe were the names. Um, the, yeah, um, yeah Scott the, Wolf the, and Jay Moore. Yeah. yeah. Well, in, mm-hmm. the, in that story, it's like, they're in this situation because apparently they were soliciting for drugs. And so the police, like pull them in and basically William Fickner, who's like the best act- actor in the whole film. Um, but William Fickner like pulls them in and is like, you're going to like work for me. And it's like, it's like, so drugs are a part of the story, but drugs aren't necessarily what it's about. But then it's like, I'm going to use you to get like Intel and to get information. But it's also so insane because it's like, so you pick two like television stars to like go <laughs> undercover. And like, I know it doesn't make That's like, that's the thing that like, clearly they're not like on like a big network or something like that because no one recognizes them. Yeah, I mean, it's not truly. a problem that they run in that they run into in the movie ever that anybody's asking yeah. for an autograph. But they do show <laughs> us that one like clip of them on a show, which te- seems to be maybe like a daytime soap or something, because it's on like I didn't get, it was earlier like, in the day. I noticed. Oh, yeah, but I guess I think, so. I think I, when we yeah, see I, the clip, it's on like in the break room while they're all at work, and it looks like it's daytime. Yeah. So I was I thinking assumed. like it was giving me like Suits vibes, like. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Something that oh, would be like on the USA T- network. TNT or USATs. Yeah, Maybe, just, but I like, feel like even Which no then, one would be talking about if, like, Meghan Markle wasn't in it, you know? But I feel like... I feel like if it was a show like that, there would be more of a chance of people... I just feel like the likelihood of, like, most young people knowing who the stars are of, like, a daytime soap is a lot less likely. More... Sure. More unlikely, I guess. Um, yeah. So I just assume... And also just the nature of the script those lines mm-hmm. that they were giving, I was like, okay, I think I kind of get what you guys are, are, are putting down here. But either way, it's a show that clearly no one's seen because they are walking around and they're also together. Like, I mean, I mean, yeah. romantically they're together, but I also mean they're walking around together. And I feel like if you see one, one celebrity with like a friend who, you know, works at a bank, then there's a more, there's less of a chance of you clocking them. But seeing two celebrities walking around together, I think just greatly increases the likelihood that you're going to do that double take and be like, no, that's for sure him because that's him. Exactly. So why are you hiring them for a drug bust? For an important un- undercover assignment. But I will say right. that Fickner is just so, he's so good in this movie. Oh my God. He's um... fantastic. <laughs> he's one of my favorite characters. So for you guys who haven't seen it, um, William Fickner plays the undercover cop and he does this incredible like almost well it is there's a creepy vibe to him oh absolutely but it's like you can't pinpoint what it is and like scene after scene you're trying to figure out like is he hitting on these people he doesn't know that they're gay he talks to them about their girlfriends but at one point like he ends up in like a bedroom in his he invites them over for dinner um it's christmas eve and he's like my wife and i are doing dinner tonight i'd love for you guys to come over and then after that i'll sign your papers to like because that's the whole thing expunge your record that's the whole thing is they're doing this because they want their records expunged so they agree to like quote unquote go undercover for him and so it's like he's fully taking advantage of like this opportunity and the whole there, this whole storyline, because the way the movie's divided up between these sort of three central stories, there's bits and pieces that sort of overlap within each story. But like this is like the third act of the movie, sort of focuses on these characters, mm-hmm. and yeah, you do spend it sort of thinking like, does he is he is he hitting on them? And I mean, as my as my acting teacher, you know, has has said many times, two things can be true at the same time. <laughs> um, like you, like. You're not going to convince me. The second time I watched it, I was thinking there's a there's like a scene where Fickner's like naked in the bedroom mm-hmm. and like um, and Jay Moore's character comes in and then he's like, hey, I want you to fill this mattress. Fill how soft it is. And he's like, oh, I think I'm going to slip out of the room. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. You got to You got to fill the bed as he's like putting on like his like silk boxers. And it's just like. And he's fully naked. And he pushes jay moore's character zach onto the bed and he goes so zach would you say you're open to new things (laughs) it's like what is about to happen here like are they about to proposition him and then you find out a few minutes later they're having dinner with his wife who shout out to jane kukowski which like my note about her is that i was like she always shows up when you need her to you know and like she's always she's always there And, I mean, she's underutilized in this movie. I think she's, like, just because she's such a fantastic actor, I want to see her more. And she doesn't do a ton in this movie. But they proposition um, Adam and Zach to start selling confederated products, which is basically Amway. Amway. 
which I had to Google because I didn't know what it was, but it's like, uh, you know. Uh, it's not well, really I, a thing anymore, is it? No, I think that sued a bunch. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a basic, it's a multi-level marketing company. And it's like one of the first, I think, in the United States. And So put um, some respect on their names. <laughs> well, I Googled earlier because I was like, what is Amway? And then, you know how they have like the suggested questions when you scroll? And one of them is like, is Amway a pyramid scheme? And I like dropped down the little carrot and it was like, no, Amway is not a, Amway is not a pyramid scheme based on some 1979 like court proceedings. And I like looked at the website and it was from Amway's website. <laughs> oh yeah. They're, they're trying to put out those fires as quickly as they pop up. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, not okay, us. So, okay, sweetie, whatever helps, um, whatever makes you feel good. But, like, the storyline, you know, and the twist is sort of, you know, that they actually, it's like, oh, we thought that they wanted to screw us, but actually they want us to start, you know, working under them in this Ponzi scheme. But it's like, no, they also want to screw you, though. Like, those, those yeah. two things are true. Jane Krakowski, <laughs> while is full on in the kitchen with Scott Wolf and, like, and, like attacks him with her, with her body and her mouth. And starts, like, <laughs> making out with him against his, like, will without his consent. And, like, we've got Fickner in the bedroom and Jay Moore trying to get it in. So it's like, no, they're a freaky couple. And, like, they probably want you to work for them, but they also want you to work for them. And so, you know. Yeah. They want, they want multiple things to happen at once. Exactly. There's multiple ways that you guys can peek. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, so it's a really great sort of storyline, but there are these moments when, like, which is one of, like, just William Fickner as an actor, I always just really enjoy him. And it's one of the things that, like, he does so well is, like, he's got these eyes that he just sort of, like, it's so subtle, but he, like, it's almost like he's peering through to your soul. And there's (laughs) so many moments when he's just, like, leering at, like, Scott Wolf, and you can just, it's just great. It's also good. Um, (laughs) So good. So that was really, that's really good. And then we have, like, it's just so funny. And then also, I don't know why, it was a little bit funny. So earlier in the film, there's um, the character of uh, Simon in the movie. Simon mm. is played by Desmond Askew. And um, he's the Brit who works at the, at the grocery store. And oh God, I hate this character. He Well, he's like one of the most infuriating characters. He's sort of he's the so central... He's fucking dumb. He is. He's the central figure in the the B sort of storyline. It's about him and his boys and them all deciding to go to Vegas for the weekend. And he's never been before. Um, his boys being played by uh, one Mr. Tay Diggs. Um, mm. We've also got a Brecken Meyer in the mix. And then we've got mm-hmm. a James Duvall as well. Um, not that James Duvall. Um, a different one. The other one. The one that you've seen in a bunch of stuff that you didn't know was also called James Duvall. Which I yeah, was like, but if somebody like put a gun to you and was like, name name a movie, name a part they played, you'd be dead. Uh, <laughs> but but is, you're like, I know that person's face. <laughs> this is the crew, and they're on their way to Vegas. And uh, it was so funny. I started laughing because like... When we in, we we did uh, Josie and the Pussycats not too long ago, I know you've all heard it and loved it. <laughs> I knew um, it. You know I was gonna bring this up. I guess because I have like so many notes on this too, but please go ahead. So Brecken Meyer's character, his name is Tiny, and as soon as and when we did the Josie and the Pussycats, he was a member of this band that I cannot remember. Dujour. He was a member of this du band jour. named Dujour, uh, this sort of parody of like you know Insane and like Backstreet Boys. 
um, from the early aughts as well. Uh, so he like in this movie, he when we were when we were reviewing that movie, Jane mentioned that one of the things that really bothered her was Breckenmeyer's like black scent that he puts on, which is like this super like affected like thick like ebonics laden like it just patois, feels so like pure racism to me yeah i don't <laughs> i mean i i don't know any other way to put it it's really uncomfortable yeah i remember like kathy griffin uh shout out uh you didn't finish this, your story about what you're gonna say about this movie. I'm going to get to it. Oh, okay. Sorry. I remember Kathy Griffin in one of her Santa backs, she used to talk about how, un- she talked about meeting like Eminem for the first time. And she'd always talk about how like uncomfortable it made her when white people spoke with that, with that like affected, like stereotypically like inner city urban like dialect. Mm-hmm. And she said, it, like, she's like, it physically makes me uncomfortable. And like, I start looking around the room because I don't want to be associated with this person. And I want to get away from them as quickly as possible. And she talked about meeting Eminem for the first time at like some like press event. And like, she was like, he started speaking to me and it was just, it was too much. I was just like, you can't, you can't talk like that. I've got to go. Um, <laughs> Particularly and... if it's not your real voice, which we know it's absolutely not Breckenmeyer's real voice. Oh, for sure. Well, you can also just tell like as he's yeah. speaking, but it's just like, it's so much. It's just so much. And it becomes like a part of the character. And then we throw in an N-word just for good measure. I did not remember that happening. And I You remembered literally... it. And that's why you selected me to watch. <laughs> one of your, another one of your sick little games. You love gaslighting. I wanted to traumatize you. No, we were watching it. it. And you'll be like, oh my God, Brandon, you're being so sensitive. Like, oh, you act wow. like, you, like you created the word. <laughs> it's not yours. It belongs to all of America. We all like rap music. You're going to tell me that Fiddy can say it, but I can't? <laughs> yes, I'm going to fucking tell you. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's 100% true. Like there are No, 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 no. All my friends are black. <laughs> um, so, he drops Jane, the... have Jane, have you ever used the expression, but my best friend is black, to get out of something racist that you've done? <laughs> Only to you. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> No, I have never used that. <laughs> I have a friend. I have a friend who told me that they use that they use that once. I remember. Are you kidding they, me? No, dead serious. We're in high school, and a friend whose name I won't say, but a friend who said to me, "Yeah, no, like I, you know, they got upset with me, and I told them I was like, no, I can't be racist. I'm not racist. My my best friend is black. And I was like, oh, oh don't bring me God. into that. It sounds kind of racist, but you did. Yeah, like you can also you can have a black best friend and say something racist. Those also, things we can both best be friends. true. Spoiler alert. <laughs> twist. That's the most. That's the most Hot egregious. <laughs> the most egregious part of it. It's like I don't even like you that much. Yeah, it's like what friend? Who, who are you talking about? Oh me? Okay. Okay. Well, I guess Girl. we're doling out surprises tonight. Exactly. Whatever. Gets I'm you finding out first. how fucking racist you are. And you're All to... at once. Couldn't like you less. Um, I'm sorry, Jane. The floor over to you. We're talking about Brecky. No. no, I was just like, so I did not remember or have any recollection of him dropping the N word, and then he drops it in the car when they're driving to Vegas. And I was like, obviously, I like was taking notes when you were like, look up, and I'm like, oh my god. And then Tara was in the kitchen, and she goes, did he just say what I think he just said? And I was like, yes! And she was like, I don't remember that shit. And so we like both totally erased it from our memories. Um, but I will say, T. Diggs' character does hold his feet to the fire 
which I guess is good, but uh, for as saying much as that, a black per- as much as a black person can do in a in a room it, full of all white friends, exactly, and also like the fact that like you know. Tay Diggs is the character in this situation, the black man who has to take on the responsibility of being like, you can't do that, where it's like, can you just know this? Can you just know that you can't say this? (laughs) And you're met with like, and he's met with like reticence and ignorance. And also their other friend tries to break up the fight by being like, both of you guys shut up. It's like, no, not both of you guys shut up. No, no, no. You need to address the fucked up thing that that Brecken Myers just said. This isn't yeah. a this isn't a let's agree to disagree. <laughs> no. And you don't and you don't get to decide when the conversation's over, baby. In no way. Like literally so, so fucking like, But also quintessential nineteen ninety nine film for you. So. Right. And I was like Tara and I then had a conversation about like do you I wonder how Brecken feels about that little scene now and if he thinks about it as you know. And is like, well, because like it just seems it's it's a totally unnecessary scene. Like it's so it's that's a totally, the thing is it's it a totally unnecessary exchange. It you know? feels like something that was put into the script just for the purpose of being provocative. Yes. Like it doesn't feel like it was it wasn't put into advance. And this character that Breck and Meyer plays is actually like really sort of like uh, ancillary to like the overall story. Like he he exists sort of like on the outside. So it's not like this advances the plot or like this is something that we come back to and there's like sort of like, you know, a method to the madness that's taking place. It's just thrown out and never addressed again. And no. like Tay Diggs also, of course, like black people have to do, processes it really quickly and then just moves on. Um, right. And then like throughout yeah. this like chunk of the movie experiences several different like, you know, um, moments of racism throughout the film it's almost like what is what's it it does and some of those experiences help move the plot along like when they steal the car from the guy who thinks he's the you know valet he's wearing a mustard he's wearing a mustard colored blazer and it sort of becomes like a bit throughout the movie he's in the bathroom at one point an older white man asks him to hand him he's washing his hands a white man asks him to hand him uh paper towels because he's closer to the paper towel dispenser he hands them to him and then the guy you know, puts a couple bucks on the counter thinking that he is, like, sort of the bathroom attendant. Mm-hmm. Um, which has, like, something that maybe a little bit to do with the jacket, but also more to just do with racism. I didn't well. even think about the jacket, to be honest. It, no, it was just, it was just, no, but then he says, he says, you know, he makes the comment as the guy's leaving about his jacket, saying, like, I'm not the bathroom attendant because I'm wearing this jacket, or something oh, like that. I just heard him, I didn't even realize. Or did he I just thought... say, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, maybe he just said I'm not the bathroom attendant. I thought he I... just said, I'm not the fucking bathroom attendant. Oh, I thought the whole thing was that because he was wearing this sort of, like, blazer that didn't go with his ensemble in that way that, like, sometimes people that, like, are valets or whatever, they have to throw, like, the work blazer on over the outfit. And I thought it was just sort of... Further, Maybe that's exacerbated. what it was. I I don't know. I mean, I it had more to do with line. him being. It had more to do with him being black than it did the jacket. Totally, no joke. Totally. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely, we're on this. Yeah. So so that happens, and then he goes outside, and they're waiting on the car, and then this gentleman walks by and just tosses his keys to him, thinking that he's the valet. But they end up, you know, using that as an opportunity to, to steal this guy's car and go on a joyride. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the moment also where he takes Simon with him. They go to a strip club. And they get to the strip club, and he says before they go in, do not ask for champagne. If you ask for champagne, that's code for the champagne room. We do not have enough money to go to the champagne room. Order any other drink that you like, but don't do that. And it's the first fucking thing he does, which is just like an irresponsible prick. That's like, why are Simon you hanging out with him? Simon needs to be drowned. Like, He's awful. 
He's worst. He's a fucking idiot. He's selfish. He like does nothing but make everything chaotic and horrible for everyone. And just wreak it just wreaks havoc. Like his behavior, yeah. it's so irresponsible. He doesn't care about anyone but himself. And that moment happens and then um they're and then they're they go into the champagne room and then like there's two strippers that come in they get the uh, bouncer at the club comes in he warns them before the the whole lap dance private dance situation starts they can touch you but you cannot under any circumstances touch them and it's like the first thing he does is like grab her ass it's like you know that you know you realize as if you were anybody anytime anybody says simon you can't do this in like 30 to 45 seconds simon will do that thing it's just so stupid. And then when the bouncer comes in, he comes in and goes for, like, Tay Diggs' character instantly. I know! And he's just like, you! And he's she's like, no, not him, the other one. And it's just like, of course. Of course, that's where you jump to. Um, but, like, it, it's a sort of a through line of this story. Yeah, there's just... It almost feels like this character that Tay Diggs plays is, like... So, when you first meet him, he's, like, this very, like, confident very attractive looking guy who's like with these like numbskulls in the car talking to them about you know um tantric sex and stuff like that and then like he is you know this this very like confident good looking character and then like his journey is just everyone fucking doing shitty things to him just because you know they think he's you know they're racist microaggressions or just aggressions in general but he's also me. yeah he's just this guy who feels like he should be hanging out with different people and like yeah he which seems he to be, should i don't know he what he's to, doing with these people yeah he doesn't actually do anything wrong in the whole no. film he's just the raw he's just with the wrong crowd which is sometimes all it takes i mean i it's also true. want to point out um by the way that we were just earlier building off what we we're talking about um this movie um came out in uh, 1999 and it was the had a budget of twenty million dollars, and it made around twenty eight million dollars. It looks like, huh. um, which is interesting because I feel like this movie is um, kind of, I mean, it's considered to be like a, it's like a cult classic. Um, but I, yeah. I would have thought it would have made more than that because I did remember it loosely. Um, also, April seventh, nineteen ninety nine. Mm. Um, but yeah, I remembered it being a... Uh... Which is interesting that it came out in April because it's like definitely a Christmas movie. Like it's so... I mean, it's like... It's not your typical Christmas movie, but it's during the Christmas season. It's during around that season. Yeah, it is kind of weird. It's Christmas um, Eve. It all takes place on Christmas Eve. I also thought it was funny that um, Timothy Oliphant is more part of like the, the first story, Rana's mm-hmm. story, Rana played by Sarah Polly. Um, and then Jay Moore originally like jay moore really wanted timothy oliphant's part and like they had brought timothy oliphant in originally um to play either adam or zach in that story and apparently timothy oliphant had been let go or released from uh, practical magic i did um, and see they that. recast him with aiden quinn and then he was available and then this sort of fell into his lap so he ended up being the last person cast and He's pretty perfect for the part that he gets. Um, he's perfect, and I I love Tim- Timothy Oliphant. I think I love Timothy Oliphant. He's great. He's, he's great. He always fucking eats up whatever role that he does. Like he's yeah, such agree. a good. He's so believable and so grounded in every in role. a lot of different things. Yeah, and a ton of different things. And he's so he's been so good looking for like twenty five years. Like what's yeah, he's what's he's very deal? handsome. Yeah, like even I think they he's, gave him those like Wolverine sideburns. 
Oh my god, upsetting. I hate those fucking sideburns. But they were I just, just trying to make she... him less attractive, I'm sure. But I feel like that was, like, stylish at the time, too. People did weird shit with their facial hair. And the... I mean, they still do, but, Maybe yeah, it, it wasn't my jam, I'll say that. Um, well, it wasn't mine either, but, you know. He, But was... he's great. No, he has that same quality that I think... Um, I think Matthew McConaughey has that quality, too. Like, there's something about Matthew McConaughey that is... Mm. He's very charismatic, and he's he just pulls you in, and, like... I was listening to I was listening to a podcast with him. I think it was another armchair expert, and he's just like, he's just the most charming man. Like, and I think Timothy Oliphant has something similar. They both have that like, it's this like down home sort of like quality about them, where you get that feeling of like, I don't know how to describe it. They just it's charisma is what it is. I mean, it's just it's that sort of charismatic way that they sort of, uh, and it's the energy that they radiate. Well, it's actually interesting. Timothy Oliphant was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, which is really surprising to me. Yeah, I wonder. Maybe he was. Well, I have no idea. But um, how old is he? Timothy Oliphant. When well, this movie, he was thirty-one. So he's got to be like around fifty-one then. Okay. Yeah, that makes oh, sense. Oh, fifty-three. Okay. Fifty-three. Yeah, because this was which I is. Think, the same age, so he's the same age as uh, Scott Wolf was. They were both like thirty-one. Jay Moore was like twenty-nine. Oh yeah. Well, how did you feel about Scott Wolf in this part? We well, did a good job. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was I thought great. It, I mean, there wasn't like, I mean, there wasn't a lot to the part, but I thought it was perfect for him. He did a really Me great too. job with it, and I thought that he had really nice, uh, a really nice sort of tête-à-tête with um, with Jay Moore's character. Yeah. Um, they both seemed to. Um, although, okay, so one thing that was funny. I don't know how I stumbled upon this. When I was looking up information just about the movie, I like saw mm-hmm. like this article title, and it was like apparently like Jay Moore were, while working on like the nineteen ninety seven film Picture Perfect with Jennifer Aniston. Apparently, mm-hmm. in an interview, they asked him like, I guess like what's the worst movie or the most difficult movie, and he said that movie, and he said that like Jennifer Aniston was horrible to work with. He said that what he said that she was she made his time on set awful. He said that between takes, she would be like. She really didn't want him cast in the part. Apparently, at the time, she was dating Tate Donovan, according to him, and she really mm. wanted Tate Donovan for the part, and he'd auditioned for it. And then the producers or the director decided on Jay Moore. Uh, and he was, like, a relative unknown at that time. And, you know, between takes, she would apparently, like, t- like turn to other actors and be like, you believe this? Can you believe they cast him? And he just said what? that she made it such a nightmarish experience. He said he would go to his mom's house after, uh, after uh, days of work and just, like, cry. That's so crazy to me because I consistently hear how Jennifer Aniston is one of the nicest people in Hollywood. Yeah, right. The only thing I can think of is just like the only thing I can think of though is like that was sort of like the height of Friends and like maybe she was still sort of navigating celebrity and like certain things got the better of her. And of course, this is his side of the story. I don't, I don't, I don't don't know. Maybe she, you know, her perspective is completely different. Although I I don't know. It's too weird. It'd be a weird thing to lie about, but like, uh... of course, I doubt he's lying about it, but I'm sure. I mean, well, I mean, with any scenario, there's always, you know, but she may, she may have just felt some type of way. She was a huge star. And, you know, maybe that was before she'd sort of figured out a way to sort of like manage her celebrity. And, you know, that was also before like, everybody was tweeting about everything that happened too so maybe she just really wanted her her ex boo boo at the time her her joshua for the friends donovan to um to have the joshua. part and joshua, joshua joshua um but i thought that was interesting that is wow that makes me sad i hate to hear about people that i like 
like. Like, I mean, it was, you know, it was, you know, what, 20, almost 25 years ago? Of course. And I'm I'm sure sure if anybody reported on me 20 years ago, um, things I was You were in college back then, right? That would have been, like, your freshman year. (laughs) Oh, okay. I got the numbers mixed up. I was a different age. Anyways. um, Wow. Sarah Polly? Is yeah. Sarah Polly was Oscar nominated for Best yeah. Writing Adapted Screenplay? Yeah, she you is, knew that. Yes, I know a lot about Sarah Polly because I'm a huge fucking fan of her. She is not. She's a director. She's an act. She's an indie darling. She's been around for a long time, oh, and she's a writer. Dope. Yeah, I forget what she was. What was the thing she was nominated for called? I uh, away from her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think she. I think. I think that's the movie that she wrote based on figuring out that her biological father was not who she thought he was, which happened to her in real life. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was best writing adapted screenplay, a man coping with the institution, the institutionalization of his wife because of Alzheimer's disease faces an epiphany when okay. she transfers her affections to another man, Aubrey, a wheelchair-bound mute who also is a patient at the nursing home. Okay, so different story. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, but but I do think she's you know. she's done a lot of really cool stuff. Um, That's awesome. And she's been in some great movies. And I've um, maybe since this movie is where I first started to recognize her in things. But I think she's a great actor. I think well, she was really good in this movie. Although she was it was hard in... for me to buy that she was a seventeen-year-old. <laughs> oh really? How old was she? Uh, no, she was. In... Oh what? I was I was just saying it was hard for me to buy that her character was seventeen years old. Oh really? Mm-hmm. She seems like a lot older to you. Not a lot, but I didn't think she seemed like a seventeen year old. Oh, she was like, I think it was nineteen twenty, in the movie. Um, I think it's less about the fact that she was, like. What she looked like and more about the way she carried herself? I think it's, yeah, I think it's more about the way that she carries herself. And I think, like, I I don't know, maybe it's just me not being able to relate because as a 17-year-old, I was, like, maybe much less confident. But, like, there are certain scenarios where I'm like, I would never do that when I was 17 or I I can't relate to being... But, But then also, you know, there's the switch where it's like, well, you know, there's that scene where she's selling the fake drugs at the rave and everyone <laughs> everyone is like first of all it's so funny because everyone's like oh this is the best shit you'll ever get blah 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 and like they it's like clearly like idiot dumb like idiot kids who like don't know that they're being duped and that one kid um like comes up to her when she's in line like wait, I think waiting to get into the actual rave and he's like oh I heard you some great shit can I buy some and she's like show me your tits show me your tits yeah and makes him turn around I thought it was a great line it is turn great, around yeah it was great it's a great moment because it's like that's something like a male drug dealer would say to a woman and it was like a you know gender flop and she was obviously feeling very confident but I was just thinking like man I don't think I would have been that quick at 17 <laughs> I see. I I I do think I agree with you that it is not a typical seventeen year old, but yes. also she's clearly like an atypical teen because mm-hmm. I mean she's worried about things like getting like getting enough money to pay rent. So right. like she's clearly a person who has lived on their own for like 
what appears to be at least like a year or two and like mm -hmm. she's scrappy and she's got like this sort of ingenuity you know and yes. she is so i think that that sort of like lent itself to me sort of I don't think I really thought about their ages a lot. I knew they were really young people, but I don't know if I thought about the specifics of it. But I, but I, I didn't question like her. She, I didn't. I didn't question her. I think the thing that I, I guess I was just surprised when she said, "I'm 17," and I was like, "Oh, whoa, she's younger." Just, just that moment, yeah. Than I thought, yeah. So then I, I guess I. I saw it through different lens, but I think you're right that it's like, she is not your typical 17 year old, but this movie actually does a thing that I really, really, really love where they don't give you a ton of information. They don't feed you shit that you don't need. Like you are able to make those assumptions. It's like the writing and the way that it's shot. Like, I feel like it really trusts the audience to figure out what's happening without like a lot of like cheesy exposition or backstory. Like, for instance, when they're playing that dead celebrity game, when they're trying to figure out who has to go out first after their break, so it's Manny, Rana, and um, Claire, Kitty Holmes' her character, and they're just sitting around in a circle, and they just start, they're like, okay, who wants to start? And they just start naming, and they're like, okay, dead celebrities, and they start naming dead, dead celebrities, and they don't tell you what game that they're playing, but through the way that it's written, where, like, Rana says Malcolm X, and then it's Katie Holmes' time to go, and she goes, I, I, that's impossible. You can't think of a dead celebrity whose name starts with X. Like, you understand what the rules of the game are, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Through that, like, very believable exchange. And I just think that was, like, really well written. I feel like a lot of movies don't do shit like that well. They just give you too much, you know what I mean? Or yeah. don't trust you to be able to, like, deduce what's happening. Yeah, there was a um, there was a moment like that, and um, there's a moment like that that Dave pointed out. We were watching White Lotus, and mm -hmm. uh, there was a moment in one of the episodes where Steve Zahn's character is talking to Connie Britton's character, and he says, um, he's like, he says something like, "Oh, my dad, you know, such a," he says like, "Oh, my dad was such a womanizer. My dad didn't know how to keep it in his pants clearly." And then she says, "Guess that runs in the family," and she just sort of like gives him a look as she's walking out of the room, and you're like. That's all I need. That's like, all you need. It's the, it's yes. the trusting. It's the trusting that you're gonna take all of like the the bits of information that you're given, and um, and you'll 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 get what you need to get. Um, get what you need to get. Trusting and your you're audience laying is the groundwork great. that like yeah yeah that like the history is there, and you don't need specifics until you need them. You know what I mean? It's it's probably in a way I feel like the writers of Troll Two probably could have used a little bit of that. <laughs> Um, there were some scenes, there was that scene towards the beginning with the little boy when the mom comes in the room mm -hmm. and she basically tells her son to get over the death of his grandfather. And she never says, he was, he was my father. I'm his daughter, Jill. And she's like, it happened to me and I'm already over it. You're seven. Like move <laughs> the fuck on kid. Um, you little bitch. and it's like, yeah, tell him, tell him. <laughs> Uh, so I enjoyed that. So like, so we've got our, and then also, okay. And I do want to point this out. So in the Simon story, they're on this trip, they go to, um, they go to Las Vegas. And then there's like this moment where for some reason, a group of like bridesmaids are like really like <gasps> bewitched by Simon. And two of them agree to go to like a hotel room. Did with you them. recognize and... one of them? No. <gasps> I was wondering if you're going to catch this cameo. It's not really a cameo. Was it you? 
Um, no, I wish it was me, but no, it's oh. actually, I don't, I have No, you do. You said what you, you, <laughs> meant, you said what you meant. I realize what happens with that character, and I'm like, oh no, I do not want to have a threesome with Simon. Um, but it was one of the bridesmaids, the girl who stuffs the, um, oh, the, tissue the biggest up her nose. Dummy. Okay. <laughs> the biggest dummy. She was, um, Sinead from I, But I'm a Cheerleader. Oh, that's funny. Okay, never yeah. in years would I've got that. I know, okay. I know. I knew you weren't going to get that, but I was just like, I can't wait to point that out to him. Well, I thought you were going to be like, it was Sarah Silverman or something. So No, I mean, um, if it was that obvious, you would have picked it out, but I was just maybe, excited to know? be like, this had to do with something. This, this was a movie that you had missed, and we covered, and, so you're you know. Clearly, you're clearly working your way through a certain type of actor. It seems you've been. That's what this was all about. You wanted. You found another movie that she was in, and you were like, "Obsessed with Sinead as a young girl." Oh my god! And now I'm like gonna make Brandon pull him in on this, this lesbian narrative, which is hats off to you, kudos. (laughs) Um, But there's this moment when they go up to the room. That's the first dumb thing that happens. Is like the three of them are in the room. She gets a nosebleed, I believe. No, no, no. What? She. She, They're all smoking pot, and she sticks the tissues up her nose because she goes oh otherwise i can't inhale oh, yeah, it's just <laughs> which is like it's doesn't make any fucking sense it would make more sense if she had a nosebleed and was yeah, trying to smoke pot with that would have made more sense but they she sticks the, to- the tissue up her nose and then she uh takes she takes a hit from the piece and when she does it catches the the paper on uh the paper lights up and then she starts freaking out and they sort of knock it knock the flaming you know tissue paper out of her nose and then they proceed to have sex but they're like fully in the middle of having sex which to me means that you guys have at least been having sex for 15 to like 30 minutes yes, and then all 100%. of a sudden the room the entire room from one of those little stray pieces of tissue is on fire it is engulfed in flames and it's just like i'm sorry but there's no sex in the world that is going to make you not smell like burning carpet and like burning curtains. The curtains are are, are fully lit. And there Engulfed. are three people. Two yes. people actually having sex. And the one person on the side, you know, giving She's, moral support. Did you know she and, was sleeping. Well, she was like kind of in the mix. She was like kind of giving moral support and patting her on the back. And like, you know, you almost got it, girl. Squeezing um, a tit here and there. Exactly. Uh, we're using the one of Jane's moves. Um, but <laughs> these two are like having sex and, and they're, they're in the throes of passion so deeply that they don't realize that there's a full on fire. And all of a sudden the room is like full of smoke and it's like, y'all would have smelled that. Okay? Also, my note from this is, where is it? I wrote, huh, where? Um, impossible for that tissue to have caught yep. fire again. Yep. Yep. Because nope. they stamped it out. And it was yeah. out. And then they, they proceeded. The they were fully clothed when they stamped it out. And then they proceeded to have a lot of sex to get to the point where it's like, you've moved past foreplay. And now you are literally having sex with this woman. And this is also, he he had sex with the other woman well, yes. first. Which so is why she was at, so tuckered out because it was so it, good. Okay. <laughs> which I'm sure I don't, I mean, look, I don't mean to judge anybody, but I doubt Simon the idiot was fucking bringing it in this threesome, but whatever. Do you not mean to judge people? Is it just something that happens? <laughs> well, what I find, Brandon, is that if you say that before anything that you say, you can say whatever you want after that. So it's like, it's like when you say no offense after you say something that isn't incredibly offensive. I need to remember that if I you you will not be eulogizing me. <laughs> I don't mean to be shady, but I, I think everybody in this room knows that Brandon does not pay back 
loans. <laughs> Look, like, if oh. anybody has access to his cash app at the time, and I'm looking at you, Mama Gwen, if you have access, Brandon owes me. Insert. I love. Right I here. love that you would. I love that you would leapfrog <laughs> over my husband. <laughs> my mother like, a well, person you have actually, way more access to <laughs> i am I, I i was honestly imagining dave being dead with you too oh god oh, okay i i don't know what the scenario was but you i don't either but like apparently accent, you're killing us accent. both off with ease <laughs> no, go off go off go in this case, double casket <laughs> in which case I would be after Dave's cash app too, so Ugh. you know. It's like when me and Dave the me and Dave trying to sleep in like that full size bed at Patrick's, just like <laughs> two large bodied men, just hot. <laughs> oh, it's so much. It's so oh, you're saying oh. that you wouldn't even get your own casket, you would have to be laid to rest together in the same casket. No, I'm just saying if we died together then they created like a like a specialty like jumbo casket for prisoners in the ground <laughs> for that the would take up so, it's so impractical it would take up so <laughs> much room you'd have to have like 17 to 20 pallbearers <laughs> no it'd be a lot and also like where are they laying that at at the end of the like you can't lay it in the normal like i feel like well no they had those supports oh, oh you mean like on top of the grave when you like throw the dirt no in? i meant like at the church for the actual like funeral oh. like where are they but you rested on those you know Just they're put on the... the floor <laughs> what like a pallet yeah oh, like the, like the first apartment of every straight man ever <laughs> the frameless bed on the ground yes the pallet that's all they have to do <laughs> a lot of these these 20 some girls aren't asking for for much more than that you all gotta ask for more you got to be like you need you a... have to want more for yourself. Well, you got to be like you haven't gotten some pallets from there are pallets outside of the local grocery store. We could have <laughs> snagged a couple of those and judged this up a little bit. Also, like let's get you like you know a fucking twenty five dollar bed frame from Home Depot. Yeah, we can we can do more. We can be better. We can be better. We can Even be if better. You just and we use should Rubbermaid containers because you need storage for all the stuff that you have. Then just you, a couple of Rubbermaids under that bed will really do the Those trick. Those would like, crack six, right? instantly. Not if you have not if you're distributing the weight on them. No, honey, that's not right. Mm-mm. You're Those not are... right. You're not. <laughs> and you would crack instantly. <laughs> I would. There. If you put me on top. Some rubber main containers, those things would buckle like a belt. <laughs> oh no, I meant like no, I meant you would crack instantly like if, oh, if you were interrogated or something. Oh, one hundred percent. I would give up the goods instantly. And you would you, first of all, you would crack before me for sure. I would crack so fast. <laughs> you would I sing like a canary. <laughs> I'm not doing jail time. Not happening. Nope. I told them everything they need to do. They would be like disgusted by me by how quickly I give up the information. They would be like, thank you, but they also would be scowling at me just like that's all it took. You it's would like give and the guy's just like everybody. And the guy's like, literally all we, I was just gonna ask you if you wanted a bottle of water. And you gave me your best friend's social security number and like the code to like her Facebook. And you also recorded her confessing to a murder. That we didn't even know about. So in the future, we'd advise you to maybe like see what cards we have, what's in the I deck. Got... 
but yeah, so that so the story, the bathroom, all of that nonsense. Also, after like the whole thing, the incident happens, they find the gun in the car on their way to like the strip club. The Tay Diggs character and um, Skew's character, they find the gun and Simon and Tay Simon Diggs and Tay Diggs characters, and then they end up like shooting the bouncer when he comes in the room. And then can they we take talk off. about what he does with that gun in the car? Simon finds oh, the gun. Oh, he's just playing with it. Full <laughs> I was on, like. like Tossing it in the air and catching it in a moving car. <laughs> he is like, I wish I could describe to you, he is playing with it like, I don't know, like you would find, like, I don't know, um, you know, uh, a bop it. <laughs> it's just like, bop yeah. it, twist it, smash it. Like, and it's like, you deserve to get shot the way you're Well, it's a full on gun. just dare. It's just daring yeah. the gods. 100%. You deserve To do the it. thing that they're inclined to do. And they're just like, one more second and we're going <laughs> to... We're going to put a period on this sentence, baby boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, they like, it's just craziness. And then like the guy, like the bouncer's dad owns the club and he shows up and then they've got this vendetta and they yes. are working so hard to catch these guys. And I just felt like from a story standpoint, I needed for them to have done something more than what they did to justify Well, they the did lengths. shoot somebody. I mean, in the arm and he was fine. <laughs> I just feel like they needed to have done something more to justify these two will risking life and limb to catch them because it just felt like at a certain point i was like y'all are going really hard like yeah, i get but that he never, shot him in ever, the arm never ever underestimate a white man's need to seek justice when he, oh for sure i've seen walker texas ranger <laughs> my aunt used to call that the kicker show because he did he loves a kick he loves a good roundhouse. He loves a kick. A lot of drag queens <laughs> love a good kick too. So he's got something in common with them. And I'm sure he would hate that because he's I was like gonna a say, is he? Absolutely, of course he is. Oh my god, oh what's my god. his name Do you again? Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris, that's his name. Do you remember on Conan O'Brien's show when he used to have the big lever? There was like this period where like NBC like had somehow owned like the rights to Walker Texas Range, or he realized that NBC owned the rights to like CBS shows or something like that. And he put this lever in, and randomly in the middle of like guests talking, he would be like, "Lap," he'd be like, "Walker lever," and he would pull the lever, and then it would be a random clip from Walker Texas Ranger would start playing. <laughs> it was so funny. I don't remember that, and I did watch really Conan, but I must have missed like, before It was before kid. those stunts they pulled over there, and Conan had to take Team Coco oh. to go somewhere else. Yeah, we which I think that's that. over now. Yeah, we'll be talking about that on our Robbed podcast. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> oh, also, did you catch um, someone's uh, a cameo, or I guess it's this person's film debut? Oh, yeah, absolutely I did. You talking about one Miss Melissa McCarthy? She so, looks so young in so this movie. Young. Like a How, baby. I'm screaming. How old was she? I'm on it. Because this a was 22 years ago. So you do the math. You know I'm not going to do it. Although I feel like, huh, then she's probably like a little bit older than I would have thought. I mean, I'm sure she'd been obviously like acting, you know. And I think doing she's stuff. in her late 40s, maybe. Oh, I is she? Guess. I would have guessed early guess. 50s. Yeah, 51. So, yeah. Ooh. So she was 31. 30, 31. Yeah. It was so fun to see her, and she had such a cute moment where, like, okay, also we need to talk about this, how Scott, oh, God, what are their names? Adam and Zach. Yeah, Adam and Zach, They found out, like, that each other were cheating on each other, and they found out that it was the same person. And that's the guy. 
And yeah, and then they like exactly Jimmy, who works in who does hair on the show. Jimmy and hair, who they find him at the at the rave, and then they all they do is cut his hair. And I just I also thought like, okay, you guys are exceedingly casual about finding out um, that you both have cheated on each other. Like I feel like (laughs) that should have been like I don't know more of a intense conversation but maybe not but then also why are you going after jimmy he i mean sure he, yeah he didn't his, do what well, he his knew hands that aren't too... his hands aren't clean here of course but the uh, he's not the issue you both sought someone out outside of your relationship yeah because it was a symptom of things not going well i would assume yeah no i completely so, agree why are you, why, why is it a fun coupley thing for you to exact revenge on Jimmy? It's also it's, just... it's not revenge, it's assault. It's assault, yes. Exactly. Like you, you two, like two, so two, like pseudo celebrities who just got like off on like uh, a charge of like soliciting for like drugs like an hour ago. You just got that paperwork signed, and you show up to a public like rave with like a pair of like ch- children's scissors in hand. <laughs> And you, and you cut off, like, a chunk of this man's hair because that's your way of sort of, like, having this, like, I guess rekindling moment for the two of you and what you have. And they, like, look so pleased with themselves. And it's just like... I know! That's not They're okay. So also, proud. is the show canceled? Or is Jimmy going to show up on Monday morning and be like, I was assaulted. So that's my, <laughs> that's my weekend event. I went to a rave. I was having fun with friends. And then two guys who I've hooked up with at separate times assaulted me there are they are the supporting characters in the show um and i am and i don't feel safe at work anymore so who's going to take care of me but i'm probably going to be the one who ends up getting fired because i know how this works uh, i am not the talent right well um, he's the talent but he's not the on-air talent so that's, yeah i'm not know. the on-air talent is what i meant but yeah mm-hmm. awful so awful. also i didn't know melissa mccarthy was confirmed as ursula in the little mermaid <gasps> i didn't know that get it yeah girl. i know I they that. gave i mean there, there could they be did, no one else you see how they did queen latifah though they gave her that like they gave her that abc the abc version no i didn't even hit, know they that up mimi with the with the real real no i didn't know this they made an abc version of um little mermaid Does anybody want to steal my voice? So here's a question I have for you. Like, how connected are were you to rave culture? Because it was, like, such a flash in the pan in, like, the late 90s and, like, early 2000s. And, like, I feel like I wasn't really connected to it. I, like, peripherally, have you ever been to a rave before? Yes, Jane. Thanks for asking. I have been to a rave before. I've actually been to two. Both times when I was in undergrad, Mary Beth and I, my friend MB, mm-hmm. we shout went to, to shout out MB. We've been to uh, two raves, um, both yeah together. Strangely enough, actually one of them I remember. I'm almost it was Mary Beth. Yes, Mary Beth always got me roped into some crazy stuff when we were in school. She That's like so I don't remember. This was where in college, she, right? Yeah, this was in undergrad. I don't remember where she found out about it from, but she got a number, and you had to call the number. And when you call yes. the number, it had directions, but the mm-hmm. directions were like not normal directions. Mm-hmm. They were like, God, it was so weird. It was like, you know, 
at this point, your speedometer should read so-and-so and so-and-so. <laughs> if you're going oh 35 God. miles an hour for 30 seconds, then you're going to come to a fork in the road. Go, you know, make a right. Follow it up to the side of the winding road. At a certain point, you will see a tree with red flower blooms. At that point, back the car up uh, roughly 10 feet, and then there you'll see like a like a path that's sort of a path, but not really. But this is the way to enter the inner. It was like that. And I remember oh we'd written God. everything that's down. That's so fun. This, it's like a treasure hunt. It was. And it wasn't as fun as we thought it was going to be when we got up there. I remember that too. Well, because it it's like, just a bunch of like teenagers on drugs, which is like the worst case scenario. Yeah. I mean, it was like fun. There was like kegs and stuff like that and fires yeah. going and all that. But like, it was just funny to think back on because I remember it took us forever to get there and it was so dark and we were trying to like see the directions. This is before cell phones had flashlights on them. This is before Google Maps was like a thing. So none of and it didn't matter anyway because there wasn't a location you could put into Google Maps. And it took us forever to get there. And then there was another one that we went to where I remember I was scared to like consume anything because I feel like people kept being like, oh, there's there's weed and this. Oh, there's this and this. It's like, I just want water. Can I just get like a cup of water? I don't want any tricky. I don't want anybody laughing after they've given me something and being like, ah, you're going to be feeling that later. I don't want to feel it later. I want to be hydrated. I don't know you people. I'm not trying to turn up like that. Um, Has anybody ever like laced something with something and given this to you? Yeah. Me too. Not on purpose though. Mine was on purpose. I found out later I was fucking pissed. Oh, mine was not on purpose. Mine was somebody had like brownies or something. And then like, they were like, oh, you can only like everybody just have one. And I was like, okay, but I definitely had two. Because I was like, these are brownies. Fresh out of the oven. You need to talk to somebody else. Brand is going to get his. What's a portion? Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then they were like, oh, they had weed in it. I was like, well, why don't you just say that? Instead of just being like, have just one. Don't try and like trick, like don't try to be sneaky about Tell it. Me Tell me there's weed in it. Yeah. Ugh, so annoyed. Um, but yeah, that only happened one time though. Um, the disrespect. Uh, yeah, I smoked weed laced with something and then they told me later and then I was like, fuck you fucking guys. Like, why would you? They yeah, were all like really laughing. Weird. I remember laughing, sitting around with my friends. Everyone, we were like passing a blunt. Everyone was smoking it. And then like people started laughing. They're like, ha 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 ha. Like, I don't even remember what they put in it, but they had like crushed a pill and put it in it. And I was like, fuck you guys. You need to tell me what is in my drugs. They're like, we laced it with like gasoline, girl. <laughs> it was some sort of be, pale I don't remember what be, kind You're gonna be flamed up soon That's what they call it When those gas fumes hit your Is lungs that... There's no high like it in the world <laughs> No that's not what they call it That's murder I think um, Yeah no that's that's certainly something More nefarious And I'm not sure. talking about Ja Rule and Irv Gotti either <laughs> It's murder Murder rink that's right. Jane has a long-standing beef with Irv Gotti, so we gotta be careful. I do. Stuff. We can't be in the same room with each other. Oh. Jane and Ashanti had albums that were supposed to come out around the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. They seem mm-hmm. to put their weight behind Ashanti. Um, mm. Jane was sort of And left. I guess we've got, you know, the princess of hip-hop, and we have Mimi, who is, you know, struggling. Um, you had done a lot of collabing with uh, Fifi Dobson on that album, if I remember correctly. <laughs> 
I famously would and Samantha Mooba, right? It was you, Fifi Dots, and Samantha Mooba doing a lot of work together, and it didn't quite see the, the light of day. Sometimes. I actually like was listening to something, and a Samantha Mooba song came on, came on the other day, and I was like, "Why was this? Like, why was this girl? Jam? Why did we? We love were sitting this? next to each other. Oh wait, you're there. <laughs> I'm the one who pulled out my phone and straight up old man Shazammed it because that's what I do now, shamelessly. I just like hear I a song forgot. and I push the button on my phone and I just like lift up my phone as close to the thing as I can and I'm like whatever. <laughs> oh what? Not a young whippersnapper anymore. I do the same thing. I mean, look, I gotta know, you know. It comes in I gotta handy. know. Um, well, I don't have a connection to rave culture. I never went, but I had a lot of kids in my high school who went, and I remember they would come back with all those like candy bracelets and stuff, and they would be like. Oh yeah, like I went to, the, I went to a rave this weekend. I got like really fucked up on E, and I was like, oh yeah, like cool, totally, and like didn't do any of that. You're like, I housed a bag of those powdered donuts that you get from the store in that white bag, that hostess brand. <laughs> and, and then I cried myself to sleep because I didn't go to a rave. Okay, any questions? <laughs> you weren't missing are... anything. You you didn't belong there, Jane. No, I w- I don't think I was missing. I mean, no, I did. Neither did I. Did. I. <laughs> I did do a lot of fun things with my friends in high school. I just didn't I didn't go to a rave. But I remember like I also remember the reason why I never did E or X or MDMA or whatever it's called is because of an MTV True Life episode. And it was this girl who was like doing E every weekend and going to raves and they did like a brain scan on her. Ugh. And it was Craters. like <laughs> there's like craters in yeah. her brain and i was like well that's jane that's jane out because <laughs> she's not doing exactly that. you got enough going on up there you didn't need any help <laughs> but uh in the first story in the in the um in the tale it's rana's story uh rana is working um rana is working at the grocery store um uh, mm-hmm. she gets approached by Adam and Zach, who are posing as people, they originally came in looking for Simon because that was the person that um, Fickner's uh, the Fickner's detective character Burke. That was initially who his target was, um, and Simon was away in Vegas, as we mentioned earlier, which is going to be the bulk of story number two. But Rana, sort of hard up for money, she needs to pay her rent or she's going to get evicted. She's like, oh, I can actually get you hooked up. She knows the person who hooks Simon up with his drugs. That is Timothy Oliphant's character of Todd Gaines. So she's basically like, I'm going to use his connect to get the drugs that you want. And then I'm going to sell them to these guys. And then I'm going to fl- I'm going to flip these and then I'm going to make a profit and I'll be able to pay my rent. So there's a moment when they're at the... Um, when they're at the the register, I believe, and like, uh, she decides to do this. And also, like Manny, who works at the store along with Claire, and um, oh my yeah. god, oh god, I'll get to that in a minute. Well, along <laughs> with Claire and Rana, uh, Manny works there, and so they essentially go to Timothy Oliphant's character. He fronts them this money, uh, fronts them the drugs. They don't have quite enough, but she's like, "Give me the the drugs. I'll leave my friend Claire here with you as collateral." I'll go make the money, come back, give you the money, and then I'll get her back. But what ends up happening is that she goes to the house. She realizes fairly quickly that this is a setup. And also Jay Moore's character looks at her and mouths the word go in like a caricature. Like... (laughs) Well, um, I... That's so funny. Because I I did not... uh, When I saw that, because they show it from... 
you don't see that that happens until the second block. Yes. And I was so... So you see it from um, a different perspective. From her POV. Yes, Yes. for the first time you see this scene. And so you don't see um, Jay Moore or Zach, the character, mouthing go to her so that she dumps the drugs and leaves. And I was thinking, man, I don't think at 17 I would be like... I would um, be aware enough to like know that 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 something was wrong. Um, I would be so focused on getting that money that I would just be like, let's get this over with. But I will say that the second time I watched the movie, what I picked up on is when Zach and Adam are at the grocery store, the thing that they're purchasing is a lot of orange juice, like a yes. lot, mm-hmm. uh, frozen concentrated orange juice. And um, and then when they when she gets to their house. Um, she asks him for something to drink and she asks for orange juice. And then mm-hmm. he says, oh, we don't have any orange juice. And he comes back in with like a beer. And that's yeah. the moment that she's like, what's going on? Like I sold yeah. you 15 cans of orange juice today. Uh, why don't you have any in your house? That must be. And then so the, he just confirms it by saying go. I don't know that I necessarily would have thought, oh, he's an undercover police officer. But I would have thought I need to get out of here. There's three men like that are bigger than me. And like, what's this going to turn into as a woman? And the information isn't adding up. And I think like realizing like, I just sold you a bunch of orange juice and now you say you're out of it. Like that is certainly, that is certainly an eyebrow raiser for me. But then when you see it from Jay Moore's perspective or Zach's perspective, where you see him mouth go to her. And I was like, I actually was really surprised <laughs> because I forgot that he did that. And I was like, okay, so that's why. And then, like, I, I do love the way this is shot because, for me, it does feel very panicky. And oh, when yeah. she go when she goes, like, they... for I know you said that, like, you feel like it doesn't pay off. Like, a lot of the stuff doesn't pay off. I didn't necessarily have that feeling while I was watching it. It felt pretty high stakes to me and, like... Um, particularly one of the moments too, where it was like, you know, they could have, they didn't have to do this, but when she was dumping, uh, I would think it was just a choice by the director, but when she was dumping the pills in the toilet to flush them, she spills half of them on the floor. And so you're just, and for me, I was just watching it going like, oh my fucking God, like out of any time in the world, like, of course you're going to spill them on the floor now. And you're just like waiting for her to pick them up really fast and flush them. Um, And then by the time he finally gets the door open, she like is acting very casual. So I think they, for me, they they do a good job of creating that sort of panic within me. No, I just mean it never really, the danger element never really like pays off fully to me mm-hmm. i think that's a part of what i'm saying like no one i never feel like anybody's really gonna die in this movie well okay here's my question for you then when you saw that hit and run that um what happens is rana is being confronted by Tim- timothy oliphant's character she ripped him off for fake drugs so that she can sell the drugs at the party and he figures it out. And so he goes to the party to find her and then confronts her in the parking lot and pulls a gun out on her. And then by whatever coincidence, um, Scott Wolf and Jay Moore end up like reversing into her and hitting her by accident. And then like, then like basically skirting off and she falls into a ditch. I felt like that. I was like, I mean, I remembered that she didn't die, but that moment felt very fucking dangerous to me. But then again, when they show that scene from the perspective of um, 
Scott Wolf and Jay Moore in the car because at first you don't know who's in the car and mm-hmm. then when you go to Adam and Zach's story they show their experience from the hit and run in the car which to me was so funny like I just was like laughing really fucking hard but when I saw it without knowing who did it it felt very terrifying to me like I was like oh is she gonna die I never thought she was gonna die I mean I knew she wasn't because I'd seen the movie before but that's just what I mean. Like I like I knew she was gonna be okay. I knew everybody was gonna be okay from the beginning of this movie. Really? Why did yeah. you know that? I don't know. It just didn't have it didn't have the air of like a dangerous environment to me. There was something that was too like hip and like clean and buttoned about this film, even though it was trying to sort of like present itself as like this edgier film, that mm-hmm. I just knew that everybody was gonna be okay. And also one of the first clue ins was with the casting of one Miss Katie Holmes. Um, <laughs> I know that she can get a little bit grimy with him. I've also seen Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Um but I I never, uh, I never saw that movie. Yeah, you're good. Uh, but I was like, although I will also point out that when I saw Timothy Elephant for the first time, I did it half a second. I was like, oh, Barry Watson. Um, <laughs> cause I didn't realize how much That's I think horrible. they kind of look alike to me a little bit, especially no. from this period. Um, also I wanted to point out, there's a really funny scene at the beginning of the movie when, uh, Ron is working at the register and I don't have the line exactly right, but she said something to the effect of, um, you know, I had, I had your job once, so I wouldn't. She says, I had I had your job once, so I wouldn't be so high and mighty if I were you. And then she looks at her and she says, and look how far I got you. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> it's but so the, good. But the whole reason that I pointed it out was just because as I was looking through the cast, I noticed that she was credited on here. That actress was credited as stringy haired woman. <gasps> and I just thought that was so rude. <laughs> That's so hateful. <laughs> um, I was like, y'all could have like come up with a name for her. Like, <laughs> I know. That's so disrespectful. Like, Although that's not her inaccurate. credit. She's not inaccurate, but like that's what she's been on the resi. You know, I played stringy haired woman and go. Woman. <laughs> they actually rewrote it when she showed up to set. Her name was actually like Jennifer, and they were like, Barbara. Ooh. They were like, no, we want to talk about that that bone straight stringy ass hair she has. Well, I'm I'm sure they put a lot of stuff in it to make it look like shit. Oh <laughs> but they succeeded. Also, when Claire is out selling these drugs, there's a moment where she where she's getting out of the car, she gets she has the drugs, she's mean, purchased Do you mean Ron? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. No, okay. So I made a mistake. My apologies. When Ron is out selling the drugs, she gets out of the car. Manny's there. She's left Claire with Oliphant as like collateral. And Manny hands her the bottle and she takes the bottle inside. And when that happens, we don't realize that Manny's actually swiped one of the pills from the bottle. Two of them. He swiped two of the pills from the bottle and he hands her the bottle. And then, like, later on, when she comes back to the car after the whole almost arrest bust situation inside that she gets herself out of by, like, thro- by like flushing the pills down the toilet, she says to him, Manny, I can't believe you did that. I, like, I need you. I need your help right now. And then Dave was like, that's what you can't believe? Not that your friend, like, stole product from you and would have potentially been, like, short... You would have potentially been shortchanging those people in there. Right. And giving it's- them less of what, what they thought they were going to get. So, like, he actually kind of screwed you over in two different ways. One hundred percent. It also is like, yeah, he's not a sympathetic character, and it's really hard to feel anything for him because it's just like, even later on when he's clearly like, you're really strung out, and you're like, 
this guy is not doing well. It's still kind of hard because it's just like, you created this whole situation being sneaky and like underhanded and doing stuff that, you know, behind your friend's back, even though you know how bad she needs this money. She could have gone in there and they could have counted those pills and been like, no, we're not giving you the full amount. And then she would have been screwed. And then, and we're going to shoot you. Like, just yeah. taking that risk with your friends, like, situation is so shitty. It's so and messy. also, like, it's significant that he took two as opposed to one, because when she's first visiting Timothy Oliphant's character, um, he's like, do not let anybody take more than one. And this motherfucker takes two and, like, ruins the whole night. She's like, babysit him. And then, like, one of the things that I think they... Well, A... I, I actually did love, um, so he's fucked up and on drugs the whole time he's on screen, basically, but they do this, they go back to the grocery store at one point, and he has this, like, <laughs> fantasy sequence of dancing to the Macarena with, like, one of the, um, one of the other cashiers, and I just, like, loved that sequence, because I just thought it was fun, um, but certainly didn't, like, you know, endear, and none of this endeared me to Manny, I was very frustrated by by him, just by what was kind of selfish behavior in my mind. So it's hard to like root for him. Um, yeah, I yeah, that's so funny. I like definitely think he was selfish, but I didn't like. I don't know. I didn't really think about him. I think the thing is, is I just didn't really think. Well, about you kind him of forget much. about him. Like, just they do a good job of that. They do a good job yeah, of so much happens do. right towards the end that you forget that like. She, like, at one point, while she's trying to sell these drugs to make her money, she ends up taking him and, like, I don't know why that's where you put him, but she takes him to, like, this alley, and she sort of, like, full-on, like, makes him live the Oscar the Grouch fantasy. And she's like, I'm gonna stuff you back here in these trash cans, I'm gonna put some extra bits of trash can on top of you, too, for the full fantasy. And then she leaves, and then, of course, she gets hit by a car... And then ends up in, like, ICU, although she's, like, back at work, like, within the day. Somehow, I couldn't believe she went to work the next day. At the day. end of the movie, she's, like, hobbling back to the register, and she's got, like, bandages on her forehead. And it's just like, how are you here, girl? Like, <laughs> she's like, here? oh, shit, where's Manny? And where's then Manny? And then they, like, her. go, they cut to them going to the alley. And, like, Manny, who also just seems to be kind of sleepy and a little jittery, but it's like... Mm-hmm. You like you needed them to show up to let you know that you could get out from behind this. Like you've come down from those drugs at this point, sir. Exactly, this is just a and choice. you're just like freezing and being weird and waiting for your friends to find you. It was you're, like, weird. Not helping like... yourself at all. Because as soon as they show up, he, his eyes open and he has his faculties about him, and it's like, why are you still here? Why didn't you get up yet? Uh, but yeah, I no. did one part that made me laugh a lot was just like. A, I think they, I think the editing was really good. They did a lot of quick editing that made me like that, just like helped the joke a lot of the time. And at the very end, when Timothy Oliphant's character runs to Katie Holmes at the um, diner at the end of the night, or it's in the morning, and um, oh, she's obnoxious. I hate that line that they start the movie with and then they bring you back to that line where she's like, know what I love about Christmas? It's the presents. Like, it's, you know, it's, or no, she didn't say it's the presents, sorry. She's like, you know what I like about Christmas? It's a surprise. It's like, no matter what you think, you like shake your present, you sniff it, you throw it against the wall and you definitely think you know what it is and then like, boom, bang, surprise. You open it and something entirely different. And I was like, what is this? What is this? It was delivered. It was. I mean, a lot of her stuff. A lot of her stuff is also a part of. It's that, but it's that Tarantino effect. It's like the disjointed, like, um, yes. The it's that like um, 
I know I'm wrong. I always get them mixed up. But it's it's Roxana Arquette, Roxana Arquette. Roxana Arquette. Yeah, yeah. in in mm-hmm. Tim Roth, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Roxana Arquette and Tim Roth in the mm-hmm. diner. Um, yes. that, but it's that same sort of like it's echoing Watch back to that. Although, wrong, although that's like, well, no, I've heard Dave yelling, yes, uh-huh, and from the other room, which is just okay. enough for me to be like, thank you. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, it's that same thing. They have those scenes in the diner that sort of like book in that story. And then this movie mm-hmm. kind of did the same thing with the scenes yes. in the diner book in the story. And I was like, okay, there's a little, but that obviously opens up to them, you know, being robbers and everything and you know right. Samuel Jackson, one of the most incredible you know sequences and performances in movie history. Sam Jackson, mm-hmm. why didn't he win the Oscar? I'll never know. But um, and now the I, Academy I just won't give it to him. And I actually, <laughs> I, know. I know Sam Jackson just plays Sam Jackson in movies, which is why he won't get the Oscar now. But it's annoying <laughs> to me because it's like, but yeah, but that was the first time Sam Jackson gave us Sam Jackson, and he should have gotten the Oscar for doing it the first time. And then we could spend the rest so of his career being like, it's good. just Sam doing Sam. But like. <laughs> Ugh, I just hate it. I want like I want them to award him. I want them to go back and I want them to like award him like for for what he did then. I'm sorry, that's not what this is about. I'm well, was he nominated? He was, and he should have fucking won. That's crazy to me. It's crazy. Okay. That's such well, a good performance. I guess I just didn't understand that he didn't have an Oscar. He doesn't have an Oscar. It's crazy, and that's I know kind he's of surprising. I, but I know he's built his career off of doing kind of the same thing, and that's what you hire Sam Jackson well, for. Well, at this point, yes, but he's put in the work up until he this has. point. I think I don't think it's like he's always done that, but like certainly no. he can. He I mean, can a lot of them, a lot of them have. It's just like Pacino now. Like, oh my god, 100%. he's gonna be screaming, and that's yeah. what you want. You know, you, the, look, I'm going to a Pacino movie. I want to see Pacino scream in someone's face. Exactly. So the point that I was trying to make about the, the editing and stuff. So like what basically him, Timothy, Timothy Oliphant and Katie's character, Katie Holmes character, they go back to his apartment and they're making out on like the stairs leading up to his apartment and they're his cat walks out and like sits with him on the stairs and he's like, how did you get here? And he looks up and he sees the gangsters who are after Simon and they've located him because they used Todd's credit card at the hotel to get a good room. So they go to Todd to find Simon basically. And um, so it's just like Timothy Oliphant looking up or Todd is the character's name. And he like, He's like, oh, how romantic. And then it cuts to him really quickly drawing them a map to Simon's house. And I just, like, that was a joke that really fucking worked for me. Because it it makes me think of you singing, like, Canary at, like, (laughs) any point. We don't need any threats because whatever you want, I'm giving it up. Jane Hammer? Oh, finally. Finally, somebody (laughs) showed up. You'll be like, you know what? I have an extra set of keys. You can just walk right in. I have an extra. I have a spare set of keys to her home, and I actually think I can get her on recording now. Um, <laughs> if you're gonna get, if my sweetheart Dill's gonna be in place, you're gonna keep your end of the bargain because my lawyer's gonna peruse it. You better believe it. But if everything appears to be in tip-top order, I'm gonna get your girl on the phone, and uh, we can voice memo this shit. <laughs> me showing up to your house trying to be inconspicuous with like a wig on and a fur coat you'd be so obvious like, I would know hey, if you were trying to get me on a hey girl so what yeah it's so crazy or that's <laughs> I love it when they catch people and they're like hey we need to talk the cops came to my house about the cops came to my house about that murder and the person's <laughs> just like what are you talking about <laughs> I've never what murder what Who murder you this? murdered somebody oh my god girl, girl? 
You got to lawyer up. I need to call the cops on you. Bye. It's just like, I love it when they, as opposed to the dummies, when they when they get the person and they call them and the person turns like state's evidence and they call the person and the person just gives up the whole plot. It's like, hey, the cops came to my house about that murder. You're talking about the one that I committed a couple years ago? Oh, I know. Yeah, I can't don't sleep you say anymore. Don't you say a word to anybody. I'm going to kill you. It's like, oh, good. Yeah, let's, let's add that to the list of charges, that threat. <laughs> I know what I did last summer. <laughs> How do I deal with you? How do I deal with me? Oh, so good. So good. This did you like? What about the soundtrack? Did you like the soundtrack? It was very yeah. It like, had some songs that I was bop that I was bopping to for sure, it did. especially during the Vegas sequence. Yeah, there was a lot of songs that I was like, yeah, this is good. Especially the second it's, time I watched it. Uh, it was a lot of good. fun. That the car chase is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second story, no, there was lots of stuff in here that was really fun. I mean, I it's I, I so did enjoy, it was it was enjoyable and it was really fast paced mm-hmm. and um and it's also got that thing that's really wonderful about these types of movies where you're getting sort of these other stories as the movie goes along mm-hmm. and each story builds upon the next. So you get a little taste of certain characters in the first story and then it sort of opens up on that character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's shaped really well. There's lots of, of really great moments really in it. It is shaped really well. Yeah, it is. I no. feel like it builds in, in a really good way. And, and I mean, frankly, the most memorable, like, vignette to me was certainly Adam and Zach's, like, story. I think it was, in a lot of ways, first of all, <laughs> gay. Second of all, which, which I always just, like, <laughs> you know, in 1999, just searching for any gay story that ever would be told. But then also, like, it was so, like, out of the ordinary, the whole Amway thing, the whole creepiness thing. Like, I just, I, 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 and, and also really loving, um, what's his name? Um, uh, why am I, we were just talking about him. The cop, what's his name? Victor? William Victor? William Victor, yeah. I, I just, like, loving him and that character and... Um, so that is the most memorable part of this movie. I didn't remember a lot of the other parts of it, but I also, remember Rana William Fickner has sure. a really nice butt as well. Um, oh, fantastic. He's a great, I mean, he's naked in the movie and it's like, you know, it's for, he's, no, he's reason. looking good for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I'm sure they were like, William. Okay. We nervous people with banging bodies. They'll love showing him off. So I'm sure it was like, look, William. okay, don't look. get too weird, but we are going to need to see your ass done. <laughs> look. If that was Say me, less. I <laughs> would literally show up to set in the nude. You know what I mean? You've shown up to the set in the nude before. I have, and, have to. and I've been asked to leave, and that I, that wh- that's what they call a lesson learned. You know what I mean? Um, some people are uncomfortable. Some people are <laughs> prudes, as I like to say. Um uh, you also, I mean, also known as upstanding citizens. Okay. Well, you know, and that's sort of a agree to disagree situation. So. Um, but also, uh, just going back to the movie, like, the script itself was really good, too. Like, I just feel like it's so, like, punchy quick, fast and pace, good yeah. and quick. But, but not so much that you miss stuff, which yeah. I really like. I agree. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like an all-around good time. And then I love that it ends with that No Doubt song, you know? Yeah, of That's course. That's just like yeah. nostalgia overload. And there was, an, there was a No Doubt song at the beginning, too, wasn't there? Was yeah, there? I must sort have of book, it. it. was bookended by No Doubt songs. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, anytime we can invite Gwen to the party, you know? Absolutely, and I'm not talking about my mom. <laughs> Although she's always welcome <laughs> at the party, too. She's always, 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 always welcome. 
Um, yeah. So is there anything, any other points you want to make? Anything we missed? No, I think we, I think we covered it. No, it was a, it was, it was a jam-packed, jam-packed full of, um, full of adventure. Okay. Well, I guess my question to you would be the classic, um, final question of this podcast. Um, did you like this movie and would you watch it again? Yeah, I'd watch it again. It's good, a fun time. I don't see I myself. Thought. I don't see myself sitting down to watch it again, but mm-hmm. I would. But if it was on, yeah, I would. I've definitely like throughout the years put this on several times. Like I really like this movie. I think it's fun. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it though. I did. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> you just like full on yawned while we were talking about like. <laughs> no, I did. I no, you know I did. You know I tell you if I didn't. I no, know no, I did no, enjoy I it. I know, I know. I was, I'm totally just kidding. Um, okay, well, do you have a movie that you would like for me to watch next week? I do. We've been we're we're dancing around um, the holiday season. That's where we've we found ourselves, everybody. Um, we are moving into the season? spooktastic Halloween. Um, and um, I actually I have a, a spooky movie that I'd like to offer to you. It's uh, I, I figured I knew. I figured it'd be fun to do like more of like a classic campy horror thriller movie Ooh, um, okay. because I know I think I know what you, you're probably going to be a little bit more your choice I have a feeling will probably be a little bit more contemporary or current how dare you box me in um, <laughs> at least in the last like 30 years or so probably or maybe maybe 40 but mm-hmm. um, I went a little bit further back uh, um, and I picked a camp classic uh, it is 1964 uh, horror uh, thriller drama starring um, America's Sweetheart Betty Davis. Um, and it's called Dead Ringer. Oh, never and heard I, of it and or and seen I it. I think that you will enjoy it. It is high camp. And wow. um, I think it'll be, I think it's going to be a really good time. And I think, well, I know it. all the gays have been chomping at the bit for us to do a Betty Davis movie. Better Davis eyes. <laughs> Shout out to Kim Carnes. We always mm. love you. We always stand you. We'll see you at Ravinia. Um, <laughs> year but yeah. after year after year. Awesome. Years well, I can't years. wait. Absolutely. It's um, gonna be fun. Um, I think it'll be a good time. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us talk about Go. Um, if you want to continue to listen to us and see us. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Missed. And you can join the chat on Twitter at MWMChat. And we will see you there. And we will see you next week with Dead Ringer. Bye. Bye. should have given Tara something that she could have used for like the the shit the um the outro like uh, go oh, sh- go <laughs> <laughs>
go, 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 go. She always finds a little something in there. You can just use that tea, baby. Yeah, go ahead and use it. Dave, are you... I know we finished earlier than usual. I was just letting you guys go. Ha, 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 ha.